Uh, hello and welcome to an episode of Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing big business in small town USA. I'm your host, Allison Hassler with Southern Illinois Vacation Rentals. And I'm Russ Williams, Director of Ethos. We are a small business incubator, meaning that we get new businesses started, we're co-working spaces, and we do training and development. Uh, we're coming to you from the location of Ethos, which is on Tower Square Plaza in Marion at the Citadel Building. And we're thankful that you've joined us today. We want to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible. So that includes Fowler Heating and Cooling, Arcadia Wealth Group, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, the Swinford Media Group, and also our producers at Union Street Arts. And you can join the small town big business community wherever you listen to podcasts, including YouTube and Facebook. So subscribing is free and you will get notifications every time that we release new episodes every two weeks. Allison, did you know that we're almost at 100 subscribers for YouTube? And once you reach that goal, 100 yep. subscribers, then you get to uh, customize your URL. So we want everybody to try to subscribe. It's free All right. on YouTube. If you have already subscribed on your podcast, do us one more favor and subscribe to YouTube yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. That would be great. Awesome. Well, if you are new to our podcast, welcome and thank you for listening. We interview successful business owners in the community and help others understand how they thrive with their business in small town rural America. And our special guest today brought us peaches. <laughs> of course, yeah. from, I am from Rendleman so Orchards. <laughs> yeah, right here in Southern Illinois, we have Michelle and Wayne Rendleman. Yes. Hi. Welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. Now I have to be truthful. I asked for Wayne if Wayne could be part of the podcast, <laughs> and Michelle and I, Michelle said no. Wayne can't make it. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll have Michelle come. But both of you are here. Yeah. Yes. Surprisingly, yeah. we. It, Worked out, both of us could come. So yeah, I'm just joking. I wanted you on the show. Yeah. Well, thank you guys both for coming here. This is my first time meeting Wayne. Yes. Michelle, we've met several times yes. in several different ways, and I am so excited to talk about the nitty-gritty uh, part of the business because we haven't really talked about that. We've talked about a lot of different things. Right. And so let's talk about, first of all, how old Rendleman now, Orchards. Now, how old is. these peaches are. Yeah. <laughs> or how yeah. old how any old of us company, are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how old the orchard is and how long it's been around. It's been a name stay in Southern Illinois for generations. So let's start there and talk about how, we, how it came to be with you guys. Well, you can talk about the history. Yes, You've been I'll there be since to. you were born. <laughs> so, well, um, Rendleman Orchards next year is going to be celebrating their 150th year. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. So my great-great-grandfather, <laughs> uh, John Rendleman, after the Civil War, uh, a lot of people left the South. Uh, my family came from the North Carolina area, my okay. particular family. Now, we've had... Rindleman's in the Southern Illinois area ever since the Revolutionary War, which I'm pretty much related to any Rindleman around here, uh, in, as in a certain cousin or some way or another throughout uh, the area of the Midwest. But however, you know, as they did many, many years ago, uh, when other families move, they, they, they communicate and say, hey, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunity here, there's land here. 
So my my uh, direct lineage left the left uh, North Carolina and moved up here to Southern Illinois. They came from the hills of North Carolina. So then a lot of people as they migrate, whether it's from different parts of the United States or even from you know the old countries of Europe, a lot of times they'll migrate towards land and towards climate that they're familiar with. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the stretch of Ozark Hills. Uh, that goes from the Mississippi to the Ohio, you know, in southern Illinois, uh, reminded a lot of them of their home. And then they also came from a culture of raising livestock and fruits and vegetables and so forth. So they established uh, Rendleman Orchards in Alto Pass. Yeah. Uh, we actually still inhabit the original farmhouse. Um, we have uh, my, my grandmother passed at, 100, at 104 about five years ago. So wow. we decided to take the original farmhouse and use it as a office facility, meetings and so forth like that. So we wanted to keep uh, it as a strong part of our farm. We have a lot of original outbuildings. We have an original, original packing shed, which is over 100 years old. And we have a lot of out structures uh, that are very, very old that we try to maintain the best that we can. But you know, our heritage is very unique. It's very special. You know, it's a lot to be proud of. My family's been raising fruit crops for over a hundred years, so uh, that's that's what we do. And I figure that's one of our reasons for for the good Lord putting us here, and that's what my family does. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, and Central Orchards yeah. is a destination, and we'll talk more more than just peaches. Yeah. Uh, if I was coming from St. Louis or Paducah or Evansville, how long would it take me to come to your place approximately? Well, depending on where you're coming from, that's what really makes Rendleman Orchards in a great location because we're centrally located. You can get to us from St. Louis in two hours and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You can get uh, to us from Indiana in a couple hours. You can get mm -hmm. to us from Louisville in just four hours. You can get to us from Paducah, one hour, Cape, 45 minutes. Yeah, you're really close to Cape Girardeau. Yeah, we are. And really, Nashville, Memphis, three hours, that's a day trip if you want it to be. So for us, we feel like you can get to us and have small town experience and have a true farm experience at a working farm, but you can also make a weekend of it since we have the wine trail and all of the hiking and the outdoors and the lakes and everything that Southern Illinois has. It's just incredible beauty. So most of those folks that come to us end up realizing quickly they need to make a overnight or they need to make a weekend of it because they won't be able to do all the fun things. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. awesome. Well, You're this is a huge peach. I mean, look at the size. <laughs> Did you guys just select the biggest ones that come here today or is that what they look like? Is that that is Well, in general, uh, there's the, the, the interesting thing about peaches is uh, there's all different varieties and there's 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 a hundred there are hundreds of varieties and we actually select the varieties like any like any other farm or any other agronomic crop or fruit or vegetable that mm -hmm. can, that are more conducive to flourish in our area. So uh, these varieties have been specifically selected for our climate yeah. because we are not extremely cold, but we are much colder than the southern climates where peaches yeah. are raised okay. and the California climates where peaches are raised. They're selected for our soils. 
They're selected for our disease pressures we have here and so forth because in the fruit crops, it's a lot like with the uh, agronomic crops, as I mentioned with corn and beans. A lot of them throughout the years have been bred for, for, for positive characteristics, flavor, size, color, you know, ones that can be shipped well. So yes, we actually have go through a lot of different varieties before we find the ones that we want to raise for wholesale. I actually uh, have little variety plots all on our farm. Mm. And we do that with apples too, to where we will plant a few trees and we'll test them out before we decide to put in, you know, like a, a thousand trees or something, sure. just to see that they do what we want to do and so forth. And so we've learned a tremendous amount on a we probably learned a more a lot more about which peaches or apples not to plant yep. than the ones that we do. So um, yes, yeah, so we try to select ones that are that have above average size, not too big, but then also not too small. Yeah. And so we try to select ones that have a, an attractive, appealing color. Yeah. Uh, ones that it's are beautiful. actually taste good too. Yeah, it's beautiful. I would so, eat one right now, but I, it would be right all over my blouse <laughs> because they are plump and juicy. juicy. I have been eating them um, since they have come into season. Yeah. Uh, and we August, should say <laughs> they get bigger, too. As the season goes on, it seems like those yeah. varieties get bigger. And in the farm market, the fun thing to do is the team in there is always looking for the biggest peach of the day. Oh, and yeah. we've had several that have been over a pound. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, that's, cool. that's always a fun little game during the day. Wow. And we should say we're recording this during peach season. That's why yeah. you brought yes. these beautiful peaches. But when people watch it, it'll probably be apple season. Yeah, yeah. we'll probably that's, be in there. That's what one of our main characteristics are for Southern Illinois peaches, whether I raise them or other farmers raise them, mm -hmm. is the, as you mentioned, the juice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really, uh, like as far as like California peaches, mm -hmm. they don't have the juice mm -hmm. and they don't have the sweetness as what Southern Southern Illinois does. Wow. And That's we think that we even have juicier and sweeter peaches than like the South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah. So um, our, our, our atmosphere, our climate in this area uh, does produce a very, very, very nice peach. And it produces a one that, that is very juicy and one that is also has uh, intense sweetness to it also. And a lot of our a lot of our fruit trees, you know, we we do not irrigate because we're able to have plenty of, of natural water that comes down, and so forth. So that also makes makes a difference too. Wow. I want to circle back around to a uh, so when you two were married. So you've been married for a long time. Not thirty two years. Thirty two years. Thirty two years. Uh, Michelle, when you married Wayne, you knew that you were marrying Rendam and Orchards, yes. right? Yes. You you knew that there was very little chance that you would decide, you know what, we're going to pack up and move to New York City instead. <laughs> it's like Green so, Acres. You watch Green Acres? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. When I worked in St. Louis at an advertising agency... They played that for me when we got engaged <laughs> in my That's last great. couple of weeks all the time because they just couldn't imagine that I was leaving the city as a yeah. graphic designer, mm -hmm. uh, an advertiser to come to a town of 350 people. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about that story and your story of how you you do have a marketing and a design uh, background and how 
that has really married into what you do now. Um, you are a very central force to the generation now of Rendleman Orchards. And I want to talk about how that looked for you and, you know, what that transition looked like for you. Well, when I first moved to the farm and we were newlyweds, I had always told him, you know, I'll never work in the farm. I'm just letting you know because I want my own career and I want to do my own thing. And uh, that always worked out well for us. I stayed part time when my kids were little and had uh, several different jobs in southern Illinois, which actually allowed me to meet new people in the region, to network, um, bring other ideas into the farm, even though I wasn't working there officially. And as the years went on and my career progressed, <clears throat> the more um, I would say, I would say the more I was able to offer the family business because I had gained uh, graphic design skills in school, but throughout my 25-year career prior to joining the farm, I did marketing, I did human resource, business operations development, even fundraising corporate events. So all of that has now transpired into our own business. And uh, it's really, I feel like, given us a, a really nice, well-rounded skill set because yeah. Wayne has all of the growing experience yeah. that I don't. And so I feel like we complement each other well. But it was only eight years ago that I joined the farm okay. full-time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so that pivotal moment when there was obviously a fork in the road where you decided, am I going to continue my career or am I going to take all of the things that I've learned in my career and put them into our farm? Uh, what was that decision like for you? Well, uh, the last few years of my career, I kept feeling limited. I kept feeling limited um, by what I was allowed to do in my jobs. And so I decided to take some time off and I took a few months off and I was redoing my resume and my oldest daughter said to me, well, mom, this is everything dad needs. <laughs> and it really was a pivotal time in their business too, because Wayne's parents had gotten into their seventies and had earned their retirement and could at least slow down and enjoy life a little bit but Wayne needed help. Yeah. And in our business, it is such a unique and specialized business. It's really hard to bring in um, a higher level hired person because our team is like family. And mm -hmm. I know every business owner says that, but we actually have a lot of team members that have been with us multi-generation because we've been around 150 years. We have... Uh, other families that have been with us 50 years, 40 years. Wow. We have a woman with us now that peels all the peaches for peach smoothies that she's the um, third and her children are the fourth generation wow. that have been with us. So, you know, we have an obligation to provide them the best uh, place to work, really. So yeah. we're pretty particular That's about that and about our brand I mean it's not hard I mean it's not easy to bring somebody in that understands a 150 year old brand like a family member does yeah there's two parts of this and I, there's two different ways that I want to go with this one of them is that how you have went 
above and beyond being an orchard to a destination in Southern Illinois and the how you have thought outside the box and how you know we have my family personally we haven't been there yet this year we go every year at least once if not multiple times depending on how many extra family members are visiting um and we absolutely love it we can spend a day at your orchard because there's so many different things that you have brought in to the orchard so i wanted to talk a little bit about that and um how you think of different ideas how you have grown into, you know, the zinnia fields and your the gift shops and the, you know, the now the stands and the vendors that come on, on I believe on the weekends mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know those sort of things. And then I want to also go back to the operations and how you make that work because that is very unique to the orchard community. So I want to go to both both places there. Sure, sure. Well, when I joined the business, um, I would say the most unique thing that people don't realize is it's, it's really hard to take somebody who's had a lot of outside experience and mold them into a family that those three people, Wayne and his parents, have worked together, you know, 30 plus years and bringing in a lot of change is hard and, um, we ended up hiring a consultant out of St. Louis and um, they had a very special part in this where they helped facilitate a multi-generation family business transition Mm -hmm. and they are specialized and they specialize in family business and they're actually organizational psychologists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they facilitated a five year behind the scenes process to get to that point of new ideas. That is really a valuable nugget of information because I know that we have had several multi-generational businesses already on the podcast. I know several listen to us and I don't think everybody thinks of bringing in a consultant that specializes in that and that has proved to be very successful that that was one of my I'm, sticking points of joining yeah. the business because I knew that it was going to be a challenge because, you know, Wayne's parents have done this together now 58 years and they still live there and still help at the farm, um, mostly retired, but still very active in the business. And um, I would say, it, you know, that part is challenging to let something sure. go that's your baby yeah. and uh, that you've worked your entire life to see that it continues. And with Wayne being the fifth generation, the stats on that is we had and have 1.5% chance of succeeding. Mm. And so I knew that that was going to be hard. (laughs) And I really don't think we could have gotten to this point without making that large investment of resources, time, and money um, to get to be able to do the things that we want to do and move the business forward. And I would say the biggest change we've made as far as moving the business forward is diversifying more into the retail side. Mm -hmm. So even now, even to where it is today versus then, 
the wholesale side is still 75% of the business and revenue. And the retail has now grown to 25%, but we're looking to diversify that and grow even more in the retail side because the wholesale side uh, has had more challenges in regulations and workforce and all of the things, food safety, all of that. And so you have to have other revenue streams. So. So walk through, if I'm a visitor and have never been there before, walk through the different highlights. What am I going to say? Well, all can we do at Rendleman Orchards? Yes. So uh, the market, the farm market Mm -hmm. had already been there for about 12 years before I joined and Wayne's mother ran yep mm-hmm. Wayne's mother ran that and created all the processes and systems mm-hmm. and procedures mm-hmm. and she had uh, implemented some of the treats that's her peach smoothie recipe and she got the cider slush going and the apple cider donuts and even the you pick pumpkin patch was done with Betty and then when I came on Uh, I just started doing some things that I like to do. So I took what she'd already created and then put my spin or additions on it based off what I was seeing outside of Southern Illinois, what I was seeing in the Midwest and even on the coast where um, other things were really drawing customers in. And I would say what sets our experience apart is... Wayne and I weren't as much interested in the traditional agritainment of wagon rides and pumpkin slingshots. We were really interested in that authentic experience and highlighting what it is like to live on a farm. So when you come, you get that now. You get to visit the chickens. You get to um, walk on our land just like we do or other farmers do. And they walk past all of the old houses are yeah our most farms don't have their people sit in the old farmhouse yard yeah Yeah. most people don't have their original farmhouse from 1873 still intact and in use and um most farms have pushed over their old structures where we still have our turn of the century old packing shed and the houses the migrant houses or now farm worker houses and People, I quickly learned when we added the first flowers of sunflowers, I quickly learned that was the fascination people had. The sunflowers and the zinnias and all that are beautiful, but the fascination was with our history and that we are still using our history as a day-to-day working farm. That's so cool. And how did you do your research? Did you visit other places? Did you go to conferences? Did you go, you know, how how did you do that research? You're exactly right. Everything that you mentioned there, we did. Yeah. So it's not just Googling what... still do. Yeah. Yeah, our kids complain that they go to grocery stores for vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we have to go look at the peaches and apples in the stores. But I would say our whole marriage, everywhere that we've traveled, we always have to, you know, look for the best farm and farm store and farm market and also rural experiences and just see what's happening around the country. And then... Um, I do my own research online and 
Also, I really follow a young demographic to see what our future customers are looking for and what's, you know, I, we have two girls, so that's very easy for me to see what they are interested in, what their friends are interested in, what they're spending their money on, where they're traveling to, why they're traveling, what pictures they're posting. Yep. And so, you know, those are the things that we go after without losing sight of who we are and that's the challenge you know i've had we have so many people even still every weekend you should do this and you should do that and you ought to add this and you ought to add that mm -hmm. but it's really hard to even though you know some of that could bring in quite a bit of revenue it's really hard to keep your blinders on and stay true to what you do and what you're good at and what mm -hmm. is your history and add new things and sprinkle in some of the more uh, modern experiences, but really don't diversify so far that you can't keep the quality of what you're known for. Wow. Wayne, I want to ask you about sure. changes in your industry. Yeah. So been around 150 years. Mm -hmm. You said great, great grandfather had yes, found it. Yes. Okay. So in your time as owner and operator, what changes in Apple uh, production, peach production, employ employment, all those things, what, what have you seen that you've had to work through those changes? Well, the biggest thing that I would say, one of, the, one of the major changes that I've noticed is that the retail. There's been a lot of wholesale, far wholesale farms all across the country. Whatever you do, whether it's, you know, with livestock or with fruits and vegetables, a lot of people have gone with a retail aspect. And I think that that has happened a lot within the, especially within the last 30, 30 years, because, because the, when you're, a, when you sell produce, it's a perishable product. And even like with livestock and so forth, that you have volatile markets. You have one year, you know, the sad thing is about farming is you pretty much do well upon somebody else's disaster. Mm -hmm. And that's the sad thing about farming. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have a really good year, but then in somebody else in another area will have possibly a bad year. Okay. Therefore, prices, you know, the, the you know, economics 101, supply and demand. So then, you know, we got to see, we, we were noticing that we needed to, to have a little bit more of a market diversification. Mm -hmm. So with retail, we're able to control our price a little bit more and, and so forth along that line. But we weren't, you know, we raised way too much product to sell it completely retail. And then also with retail, you need a, a population. You know, obviously, we don't have the population here as other farm retails do around the Chicago area, around the St. Louis area, and so forth like that. So then that would be another thing that, uh, that we would need to be a destination for people to come to. So that was one of the aspects. The other aspect uh, that I've noticed out throughout my career is that there's is pretty much the, the employee labor situation. Uh, we, um, when I was young, uh, we have uh, everybody. You know, you could you could really all farms had plenty of people helping them. Um, you know, summertime you get a lot of people to help because school's out. Mm -hmm. 
you know, kids don't do that anymore. I mean, you remember know, a lot of kids, even my age, yeah, detasseling. You're exactly right. You know, mm-hmm. even you know and, and yeah. there's just a just you just so we're we have a challenge with our workforce all the time, and that's why we actually work with the H2A program to bring bring people in to help us harvest. And then also, uh, it's we have an aging workforce because a lot of the people that work for us uh, that have just started out, a lot of their kids are going on to, they're not wanting to get involved in agriculture, they're going to college, they're doing other things. So, so it's not like a continuous turnover workforce. So that has been one of our huge, huge, huge issues also. Can you explain just in one to two sentences what the H2A program is? Uh, well, we are listeners? very fortunate because it's a program designed for agriculture, and then we actually work with the Department of Labor and the uh, Homeland Security and the Illinois Department of Employment Security on uh, uh, forming a contract to actually bring people into our, uh, our farm, whether they're, from, uh, whether they're from Mexico or whether they're from uh, El Salvador or whether they're even from South Africa or different places. Uh, but it's all through a very, it's, it's an extremely big process. We hire an agent to help us. It's, there's a lot of paperwork to us. But American agriculture would not be here without this program. I do not, I, I mean, it has just grown within the last 10 years tremendously because of the lack of people to help on the farms and lack to get our crops done because a lot of these products we have from uh, farms that are special, we call them specialty crops, they have to be hand harvested. There's machinery that cannot do that. Uh, they've been working on machinery for years yeah. to be able to pick fruit off a tree, but they just haven't been able to find the efficiency yet. And I'm not saying it'll never come, but you sure. still have to have that. And then, you know, uh, so we have to have that type of help uh, to uh, with that skill set in order to make every farm sustainable, not just us, but all across the mm-hmm. all across the United States. Skill set and determination. Yeah. Yes, and so yeah. that's that's been of one work. of the the one of the big changes. And then the third big change that has been a positive change for us is local. When I was very young, there wasn't like this whole local movement. You know, now you have the local movie. Now you go to the grocery, and not even just the grocery, you go to a lot of restaurants. They have a local menu. The grocery has a local section. Mm. That has been a huge positive force amongst a lot of the farmers and growers, whether it's in the livestock industry or in the specialty crop industry, to try to promote uh, uh, local. And local doesn't always mean cheaper. You know, I want people to realize that. Yeah. Uh, you know, local is you're, you're literally supporting somebody either within your state or close by an adjoining state or within your area. Because, you know, there's a lot of different areas within our own country where it's more cost effective to raise, to raise produce. I mean, that's why we pull so much produce from California, because a lot of the products raised in a desert climate. They don't have the disease pressure like the Midwest does. Mm-hmm. 
And so then, uh, but you know, who wants to raise all of our food supply in just certain little areas? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're gonna probably get the highest production and so forth. And there's other states in our area that we all know from gas prices <laughs> that can do the cost of business cheaper. It's mm -hmm. just cheaper. Taxes are cheaper, you know, inputs are cheaper. Uh, the labor supply uh, is not uh, a, a, at a higher earning rate as certain other states. So they're able to be more competitive in their pricing. So that's what's important about supporting local mm -hmm. is because, you know, um, it's a, to, to keep the local farmers going because, you know, as we all know, we're living in a state that has probably some of the highest gas prices in the nation. And that's just not the highest prices that we have. Yeah. So it's important to support local. So those are some three so big things. So you have found a lot of support in Southern Illinois for your business? Well, not just in Southern Illinois, but in the Chicago area in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. yeah. to, to, you know, we're considered local for the Chicago areas, okay. for the St. Louis areas, because, you know, we are within state. We are within, you know, so many miles away, mm -hmm. you know, and so Where forth. We so find it helps a lot. I would say where we find all the support locally in Southern Illinois is the core of our business. They support our brand. Mm -hmm. They support us as a family. They support us by being part of our workforce. They support us by helping promote us. They support yeah. us because in a small Southern Illinois region, you know people. Mm -hmm. It's easy to make connections quickly. Yeah. It's easy to network. Um, and it's easy to form strong bonds with people. Those people know people outside yeah. of Southern Illinois. They have connections and your network grows from the people in Southern Illinois that support you. Yeah. Um, so our wholesale mm -hmm. is supported in that way, but our retail has been an outpouring of support from Southern Illinois people. Yeah. And even though people don't really realize it we're pulling in on our retail we're pulling in people from four five hours away mm -hmm. um and i mean i had a stay-at-home mom one day stop me and say she drew uh, she drove from rolla missouri to get her kids pictures in the zinnias and was driving back the same day that's eight hours in the car with yeah. two little kids plus her yeah. time there but that's all happening because mm -hmm. All of our Southern Illinois network and support is sharing what we do verbally. They're sharing all of our social media. They're helping us by coming out and being a vendor at the farm, um, helping us get the right vendors at the farm. So that's yeah. where we're seeing the support. Well, we were talking about that earlier. Uh, yeah. Both of you, as Allison, has been part of mastermind groups, right? Yeah. And yeah. The, one of the best parts about mastermind groups is that you are at the table with people that you don't yes. know that are really good at their business, but it helps to get to know them and to make those connections and to network. And each was each one of us can say whatever mastermind group we're part of is that I still have a relationship with this particular person. Right. You know, that I met at Mastermind. Right. And but you you are a master at, at networking. Well thank I've you. I've always thought yeah. of that about <laughs> you, you before I even yeah. knew what Absolutely. you did. <laughs> thank you. you know? yeah. And you're excellent at it. I enjoy summer. it. I think people yeah. are good at what they enjoy. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy the marketing at the farm, but I really enjoy the networking and the connections, connections and getting yeah. out and even just taking the time out of your business to do mastermind and I I would say any business owner 
passed away when they leave their business to do something, whether it's going to be beneficial. And I've never been to a single thing where I've met people that it hasn't been beneficial, even if maybe the course or the meeting might not have turned out to be what I thought it was going to be for the business. I've always met somebody that I can partner with or that I can help or they can help me. And, you know, even today, Wayne's getting to meet you, Allison, another small business owner, and he met you through Mastermind. I met you through Mastermind. But that all happened, too, because of our mutual connections. And uh, there's not many degrees of separation in Southern Illinois. So I read in a book, uh, a business book once, and it said, you already have what you need in the network you already have, right, exactly. you just have to ask them yep. and they'll know somebody that can help you. Well, your you. business helps Southern mm-hmm. Illinois Vacation Rentals, yep. which is yeah. Allison's yep. business. Yeah. And right? yeah, absolutely. And I, and vice versa. I, yeah. so we, um, we strive to have a concierge service for our incoming guests, and mm-hmm. we always recommend what there is to do in Southern Illinois, and mm-hmm. and you're part of that trail system of you know if you're going to go on this side during this season, mm-hmm. then this is another stop. It is Instagrammable, worthy. It Thank is you. fantastic. Uh, and you can spend an entire day there and, you know, just picking those places that are uh, to support those small businesses. So absolutely integrated into, mm-hmm. into what I do as well. Yeah. And I think it, it is that mutual reciprocation. You've done a blog on our farm and yeah. what Wayne and I try to strive to do is be involved in the day to day, especially during season, you know, we some of our social life falls by the wayside a little bit during those harvest months because both of us feel the importance. He feels the importance of having his hand in every aspect of the production. I feel um, the need to be involved in the day-to-day of the market. And I hear so many times, why don't you just hire somebody to do that? Why don't you just, why do you have to be there? Can't you get managers? You can, but they're not going to do it like we want it done to the level we want it done. And if you're going to recommend us to visitors from outside of Southern Illinois, Mm -hmm. and I feel like if somebody's driving an hour and a half, two hours, four hours, six hours to get here, we want our business to really, truly represent what Southern Illinois is about, which is hospitality and quality. So I have one last question for you both. What advice would you give to somebody that is trying to get into maybe the wholesale market or getting into the retail market? What what are those steps, which of course happened 150 years ago for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> for Rindam and Orchards, mm-hmm. but what advice would you give those that, that person? Well, I would I actually, to be honest with you, I would uh, definitely start off small. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pretty much are going to have to have two jobs. I mean, you pretty much will probably have your your job to help you out and then start off small on the other, on the ends because you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Sure. And they're going to be uh, various mistakes are going to be can be costly, but that's the only way you're going to learn and yeah. the only way you're going to be able to actually form with what you want to do. And then the other thing is, is that I would do is I would, before I would actually either plant a tree or plant a shrub or plant anything, find out who you want to sell to. 
find somebody that wants your product before you even think about doing anything. Because there are so many people that I, that I visit with and so many articles I read that it really doesn't go if you plan it, they will come. A lot of times that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, they're like, well, I have all this, but I don't, where do I sell it at? I have all these, you know. How do I get it harvested? How do I get it harvested? <laughs> yeah. How do I do all this? Well, you know, mostly selling. I have a lot of people say, well, we plan all this, but then, you know, I actually had somebody last year call me. So we got all these uh, vegetables here and who do I call about buying them? I'm like, ooh. I said, you've, you, you've had to have that set up like six months ago. Yeah. So you've I had mean, this question you know, before. Yeah, oh, plenty of times. Every year. <laughs> so you have to find out and talk about who your customer would be before you even have a product to sell your customer. Could be the farmer's market. It could be a CSA. It could be like a small... Um, Food hubs that are going up around that uh, takes take uh, you know products from small farms. You uh, could be like an online sales thing or something like that that you can work. I know other places uh, that they have different farms that sell within a uh, network of online sales. Uh, there could be there's other food distributors uh, that you could possibly talk to and say hey. You know, I'm interested in, in growing something. What do you need? Well, we are actually always coming up short on this or coming up short on that. So that would, that would be different ideas that I would, I would go advice. with. Excellent I would advice. say for retail, Wayne and I actually went on a national farm marketers conference for all of North America the year before we ever broke ground on our farm market. And we were with... 400 farm marketers from, I mean, all across North America, all the way up to Canada. And so when we were with them for eight days on buses and in hotels and eating every meal together, we heard all of the do's and all of the don'ts. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely helpful. We gathered notebooks and notebooks of resources, um, where to source things, who they're selling to, um, what is kind of going out of trend, what's coming into trend. So that, I mean, we started with a whole lot of information before we ever even decided to break ground. And then we've kept those meetings up and we've kept our networking up and we travel to Michigan and, you know, we're traveling all over to, to be ahead of it instead of, here we are, now what do we do? And then the other thing is that you had talked with me a little bit about earlier was thinking outside of the box. Mm -hmm. And that was a funny phrase because Wayne always has said to me uh, a lot, he's always like, oh, I don't know, that's pretty out of the box for us. And <laughs> I always say, oh, that'll be great. And so uh, he has really gotten on board with supporting from the production side, the out of the box, because one thing people really don't uh, understand is I can come up with all the ideas. That's the fun part. Um, implementing them is a challenge, but also none of that is going to be great if you don't have the support of the production because the sure. number one thing we're still doing and selling that we've never gotten away from our top seller is peaches and, and then apples. apples and then 
our peach smoothies made with our peaches and our apple butter made with our apples. So apple cider made with our apples. Yeah, so it's everything pro, pro, pro. that oh, those apple donuts. Thank oh, you. Don't get mm. me started on thank those. Thank you. And everything <laughs> that's made with peaches or apples is still in our top ten um, when I download our reports. And so having the production behind it is the the secret uh, success is just having the continuity that people can count on every single time. And um, I, I would say, too, is fine. if you really want to be successful, look at what all your competitors are doing. Maybe do a few things, but really find your own niche. Find what's going to set you apart and do that. Yeah. yeah. But I would like to add also, and uh, back to your back a little bit more uh, from the production end, is that um, we are very fortunate that our wonderful President Lincoln, back in the day, provided land-grant universities. And he was a huge supporter of agriculture. And he wanted agriculture to continue to flourish uh, in our great nation through research and through information disseminated to the farmer. So every state has what they call a cooperative extension service that provides information for agricultural practices and for farming. Our, in our state, it's the University of Illinois. That's our land grant. In Missouri, it's uh, University of Missouri. In Kentucky, it's University of Kentucky. In Indiana, it's Purdue. Michigan, it's Michigan State. You know, all those different universities, University of Wisconsin, every state has a university that has what they call a cooperative extension service that provides uh, research-based information upon agriculture and also has various uh, people on staff that provides the outreach, provides constant meetings, provides on-farm meetings for people to learn and for people to network and to, to learn into to get into agriculture. Yeah. So that's an extremely viable resource for anybody that wants to get started. That's awesome. All you have to do is just, just Google and it'll, it'll come up. But yeah, still, our U of I extension office, I think, is usually what they call it, right? The, you're exactly right. Yep. And that's, that's, one of the, that's one of them. And there's different mm -hmm. throughout the U of I extension office. Right. There's various areas through that are taken care of by horticultural, entomology specialists, horticultural specialists, diseaser specialists, and, you know, for all types of crops. And we've been doing it 150 years, yeah. and every year there's a challenge that we don't know about, and we call somebody from the U of I Extension. Yeah. Because we go to their meetings, because we support everything that Wayne was just talking about by being speakers there for young farmers and yeah. things like that, they will drop everything and come right out and help us. And they've helped us when we first got into the flowers. They've helped them with pumpkins. That's they've good. helped them with a million things. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're 150 mm. years old or brand new starting That's out. Good. That extension office is wow. invaluable. Yeah, there's yeah. there's 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 research farms at Dixon Springs, Illinois. Mm -hmm. There's ones in uh, uh, there's one in Waterloo. Mm -hmm. SIU does a lot of research on their farm mm -hmm. in Carbondale. A they lot. have a research mm -hmm. farm in Belleville. Of course, U of I has research farms all over the place. So there's a lot of different sources of information. You can never have yeah. too much information. You don't have to do starting. all the research yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a farmer of one or a beginning farmer of a couple, you can reach out and that research is yeah. done. You just have to look for it. Well, I think That's we're excellent. probably out of time for this episode, but yeah. uh, this has been fascinating. 
It has Honestly, been. it's so yeah. it's so cool. Rendleman Thank Orchards. You. And so if I want to find you, you go to rendlemanorchards.com. Yeah, we have right a here on the side of the We box. have a website and it has yeah. all of our information about our family, our farm, what we raise and how many acres is the farm? Over 800 acres. Oh wow. And how many employees? I think we missed that too. Well, I'd say we're in the height of season, we're up towards 80, yeah. and then in the off season, we can be somewhere around 20, 25. Yeah. Thank you so much, yeah. Wayne and Michelle Rentleman. Thank you. And how do you find if you are, I know you're on social media as well, so where Facebook do you look at? and Instagram, we're Rendleman Orchards on both of those platforms, mm -hmm. and uh, our website has links to our social and to our online store. We started shipping nationwide peaches and apples. So. Excellent. Awesome. Well, we thank want to thank you. everyone for watching Small Town Big Business, and uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to thank our sponsors for making this possible again. A shout out to Fowler Heating and Cooling. Arcadia Wealth Group, the Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and our producers at Union Street Arts, Luke O'Neill. And again, don't forget to subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribing is free, and you won't miss upcoming episodes that happen every two weeks. And Allison, if they want to know more about your business, how would they find you? So all of our email handle uh, Facebook handle and website is all SIVR.rentals. Excellent. And if you want to know more about Ethos, the co-working spaces, small business incubator, training and development, you simply go to ethosmarion.org or you can find us on Facebook. Also, it's Ethos at the Citadel on Facebook. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. 